Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it's a little chilly, but it's sunny. There's some things busting loose in the garden. Springtime flowers, maybe a little bit early, maybe on time, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it all. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and I'm the host of a program here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting we call the Gestalt Gardener. My producer's an awesome Java Chapman. We're going to be whooping up with you for the next hour or so, talking about what's going on or not in your own garden. By the way, this is a uh, coming up next week is a special 100th anniversary, and it has something to do with what's going on this weekend. We're going to talk about that, plus some really cheesy music. You're not going to believe it. One tune an hour is all they give me, but it's really cheesy. But it's about gardening. Again, I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're going to take a little break and do some news and catch up on some weather as we come back with your phone calls live about what's going on or not in your own garden. In other words, we're going to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're going to have a good time today. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the gardens, lots of events going on. Uh, there's some things blooming. There's some things you can do. Maybe just as importantly, there's some things that you can stop doing. You know, I mean, there's some things you can stop doing now to save you some time. You know, breathe in, breathe out. Enjoy what's going on around you. Take time to, it's to savor a little bit. It's not all, all about chores. We're not farmers. Gardeners are not farmers. We are year-round doodling around doing what needs to be done whenever it needs to be done, not trying to get a crop in. Uh, harvesting and all that kind of stuff. People who plant vegetables, yeah, of course. But we have two complete back-to-back summer-length growing seasons here in the Deep South. You can plant a summer garden starting in early April, and by the time it's completely harvested and done with, you can plant another one and have it completely done and harvested before it gets cold this fall. That's what we can do here in the South. A lot of segue, a lot of overlap, a lot of you know sliding in and out. A whole lot of wiggle room is what I'm saying, so don't feel like you've got to do stuff right now because you don't. Uh, there's some things that you ought to do, and I'll talk about those in just a second, but let me throw a couple of things out. Uh, I, I, I make quite a few presentations around the around the state and the region and in and, uh, and the country, and uh, matter of fact, I just got back. Java, I was telling you, I drove a third of the way to California this past week, uh, you know, a third way past the middle of Oklahoma, 600 miles. Once I get past the, the, the six-hour trip to Atlanta, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. So well, this <laughs> that was, was, that's uh, a lot. Yeah, this 600 miles uh, each way, and uh, and it's only about, it's it's about, oh, six, 1,600 miles to the state line of California. It's 2,000 miles to San Diego. But anyway, drove there, gave a talk to a bunch of master gardeners, uh, met with their board, kicked around a few ideas for some other programs. Turned around, drove back. 38 hours of on the road, 22 of them were sitting in my truck picking my music. <laughs> Had a good time. Missed my dog, though. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on that that, uh, that you can take uh, part of. Um, coming up in, in uh, next weekend, the St. Tammany Master Gardeners uh, down in North Shore 
going to have their garden plant sale. It's going to be uh, the Friday, the March 16th, Saturday, the 17th, from 9 to 4. Uh, there, it's going to be at the uh, uh, St. Tammany Parish Fairgrounds. It's covered events. It so doesn't matter if it rains or not. All sorts of seminars and experts and cooking demonstrations and educational exhibits and children's things and, and uh, you know, just the, the full meal deal and plant sale, too. Um, also, there's going to be uh, next Sunday, the uh, Friday through Sunday, it's the 16th through the 18th next weekend. It's going to be the uh, Mobile Botanical Garden. It's going to have their spring plant sale. It's a biggie. Uh, they have some of the best growers, some of the most interesting plants uh, for all different kinds of things. It's a beautiful little garden. That's going to be Friday through Sunday, uh, March the 16th through 18th. The Mobile Botanical Garden's big plant sale. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be at the Mobile Flower Show. That's on the 24th, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and the, the Mobile Plant, there's a bunch of stuff going on there. we got a plant swap coming up in Flora in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, anyway, let, let me throw this one out, though. This is it's a new venture. There's a brand-new venture over in eastern Alabama. They have this place called the Chapel at the Waters. It's near Montgomery. It's in a real iconic setting. They do weddings and events and things like that. It's an old, old South-style place. Uh, anyway, they're branching out in the garden events, starting with a program by me. So this could be a lot of fun. If you have friends or relatives anywhere near Montgomery or central or eastern Alabama, western Georgia, down in Mobile, Pensacola, tell them about this opportunity. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you want details about it, shoot me an email. Uh, or you can Facebook to the Chapel at the Waters page, Chapel at the Waters Facebook, or just shoot me an email. Anyway, it's a new Adventure. Look forward to help them kick that off. Now, if you've got some events you'd like to talk about, some things I can help promote, shoot me an email. i got a few others, but they're a little ways off, so we'll talk about those. Time gets a little bit closer to it. Uh, meanwhile, there's going to be um, a whole bunch that you can do in the garden this week. I said last week I was going to talk about fire ants in the garden uh, because they're really, really popping up. I got an email from Karen Palmer. She says she's used different kind of poisons, but her best results has been from using them against each other. It's kind of strange sounding. The ants, that is. You take a half a shovel from one fire ant mound, throw it all, all through the, to another one. You mix a little ants from this mound to a little ant from that mound, and uh, they duke it out. And that was interesting advice. Problem is, um, they kill a lot of workers. They you don't usually don't get the queen, and they just simply move their mound. Uh, and plus, a lot of the mounds now, this is kind of strange, they now have multiple queen mounds. So it's like a, like the suburbs. You know, you might take out the city, but the suburbs are going to come back and get you. Uh, and I've heard everything from grits to gasoline to hot water. I can't imagine anything more dangerous than walking around the yard with a bucket of boiling water. And, and, and that's going to kill your grass. So here's what, I'll, what I would recommend. There's lots of natural things, lots of chemical things. Here's what I would recommend. There's two approaches to fire ants. And, and by the way, I've been dealing with this since I started with the extension service back in 1980 when they gave away Myrex and all that stuff, when fire ants were just a huge, huge deal. They seem to kind of settle down a little bit. Two approaches. One is just ignore them. If you, if you can garden around them, which is what I do, ignore them. I've got two two mouths, one around a stump, one around a big rock. And uh, rather than to go buy some insecticide and stuff like that, I'm just going to see if I can, can just live with them. You know, it's not that big a deal in my garden. 
farmers, different story. If they're in your electrical box, different story. If they're killing your baby birds, different story. But if you can live with them, that works. Second approach is you got to take out the entire mound, each individual mound. You got to get the queen so she stops laying eggs. And about the, the two ways to do that, one is put a bait out, and the fire ant baits are pretty effective. Unfortunately, they kill other ants, and ants, our native ants, are beneficial. They really do help the garden. But the baits are picked up by the workers, taken back, they feed each other, they feed the queen, and the colony will die out. It works. The draw, and it works right now. This is because the mounds are building up, and they'll take a lot of the food back. They're really looking for stuff right now. They're rapidly growing their mounds, and so it works really good this time of year. Problem is, it takes a while. you got to leave the mound alone. So if you put some bait out today and in, uh, in three days, you mow your grass, knock the mound down, nothing have time to work. So bait's going to be best in an undisturbed area. And the, the second the probably the most effective approach. And again, I'm talking with home gardeners here, not the airport authority or farmers or people on the roadsides or school gra- gardeners, is to treat each mound with a lot of water. It takes a gallon or so of water to melt a mound. You know, use it like syrup on a pancake, pour it round and around and around, all around the outer perimeter and then all like, like syrup on a pancake. Soak the area around the mound and then let the water melt the mound. Let it go down deep and fill that mound up. A gallon or so of water will do it and put just a little bit of insecticide in it, just a little bit. doesn't take much insecticide to kill fire ants. The trick is you got to get it to them. And by, by mixing a little bit, with a lot of water and using that on each mound, you can do two or three mounds at a time. And if you'll do it late in the day when the ants are all in the mound, by morning they're gone, the poison is gone too. And this is effective even in vegetable and herb gardens because you're not getting the stuff on your vegetables or on your herbs, not absorbed by plants. So my approach would be to use baits and uh, they treat individual mounds with water, a little bit of insecticide. And by the way, there are natural insecticides you can use. Pyrethrins come to mind. They're natural. So if you don't want to use chemicals, we've got good natural insecticides that you mix with water and kill fire ants. So that's my story on it. You know, if you've got some other things you'd like to add, bring it on. But I uh, just got to warn you, I don't really enjoy promoting home or folk remedies that may have worked for you, but they don't work for everybody. They don't work consistently or they're dangerous like gasoline, boiling water. Just uh, don't even want to go there. Anyway, if you want to talk about gardening, you want to give me a call and chat about stuff, lawns, vegetables, fruits, shrubs, landscaping, uh, diseases, insects, weeds, all that kind of stuff, give me a call. It's toll-free, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. We got the lines open right now. I'm sort of done with my with my yak, and although I do want to talk about how many holes there are in a straw, if we have time. But if you want to give us a call, the lines are wide open. Kevin is in there, ready to to take your call. Me and Java will be right back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We'll be right back after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and uh, we're going to be talking about gardening. Got some calls on the line. You know, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. You can also email us, garden at mpbonline.org. Hey, Java, let me, we got a, a sort of a special thing. Well, it's not that special. It's special if you're a cheesy guy like me. 100th anniversary next week of the Calder Act. Talk to me, man. You know I'm, I'm, I'm a totally in the dark. Calder Act. Uh, it's also called the Standard Time Act. In March 1918, uh, our government enacted the uh, Standard Time Act where they set time zones, you know, eastern zone, central zone, mountain, Pacific time zones, left it up to transportation to do that. But they also had language in there that set it up for down the road, starting this thing we call daylight saving time. And now I heard, I think, Florida doesn't want to participate or something like that? You know, Arizona doesn't. They don't have to. Hawaii doesn't. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know. Yeah, because, but Florida is East Coast. Like, how is it going to, it's going to be 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock? I don't know. You know, know. Hey, you know if I'm, I'm a retired guy. It doesn't matter to me. As long as I get to the post office before they, they lock the doors, I'm okay. But in this this weekend is daylight saving time. You know, it's supposed to set your clock forward. I yeah, think. we spring we spring forward, and later on this year we fall back. Yeah, well, I, that's just that's just coming Saturday night. It's officially I think around two o'clock Sunday. But anyway, hundredth anniversary of the Standard Time Act, and uh, we got some cheesy music to celebrate that coming up in just a second. Meanwhile, let's talk with folks. Let's go to Terry in Ridgeland. Hey, Terry, thanks for calling. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? Hey, Felder, man, I see why old people moved to Florida. <laughs> okay, Buddy, keep I don't it. know if it's ever going to warm up. I'm still trying to keep my dingleberries from freezing, but that's another story here. Yeah, yeah, and hey, it is 45, yeah. I, uh, I've got an affinity for uh, mimosa trees, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think they're really just a bush. I've got one in my front yard that looks like the winter was pretty tough on it. It's about as tall as my two-story house did, did those things really uh, uh, die do they do they come back do i need to prune it or or um, uh, is that just a waste of effort well a, a couple of things uh first of all i like my most of trees too they're really good for pollinators some people don't like them because they're weedy but you know so are people so is saint augustine but uh, anyway, my most of the trees, they're trees, but they're sh- fairly short-lived trees. You know, they don't live forever like an oak tree or a cedar or a magnolia. So when they get a certain size, you know, they can live quite a while, but most of them start to peter out after a while from various diseases. Staying too wet, there's some diseases that affect them, things like that. So old mimosa tree is kind of hard to find. So so now it may be getting to be a danger to my telephone lines and all that, huh? Yeah, and one thing you could do, I've got a mimosa tree in my side yard. That, and again, I like it for the flowers. Here's how I handle it. Uh, I like the leaves, too. Every year, as soon as it gets through blooming, which is the middle of the summer, I cut it down close to the ground to just a big trunk every summer. And it immediately sprouts out these big, long, tall 10, 12-foot-long stalks that look like giant ferns, all completely covered with leaves. The next year, those flower, and then I cut them back, sort of like you know how people cut crape myrtle trees off. Right. I, I cut mine off down low. Now, yeah. when do you do that? I do it as soon as I get through flowering because that keeps it from going to seed and throwing seeds all over everywhere. 
you know. So and it's you know, and it's soft wood, so it's not hard to cut. But uh, anyway, gotcha. to answer your question, I don't know. You know, my most of the trees are relatively short lived, and once they get big, they're gonna start petering out. They just smell so good. I, can you can you really plant them? Yeah, from seed. They're real easy from seed. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why some people don't like them because uh, you know they have what look like paper beans. Uh, and then they, right. they they come up all over the place. And uh, what I do is is I I have some pots you know sitting around the yard. And a lot of times you know if if there's some seed pods nearby, seeds will fall in the pots, and I grow a little mimosa trees that way. And by the way, those flowers aren't really flowers; they're flamingo larvae. That's where okay. flamingos that's where flamingos come from. I'm just saying that's all. Well, they sure smell good. They do. They tickle but your now, nose. Can you buy the seed, or do you have to sort of collect no, it? No, yeah, you're going to have to collect it. Uh, this plant is on the invasive plant list, and so nobody really sells it. There is one you can buy that's really, really cool. It's called Summer Chocolate, and I've had it before. It didn't live very long, but Summer Chocolate is a mimosa that has deep burgundy leaves on it. The same pretty pink flowers, but deep, deep burgundy leaves. And you'll see it a lot in botanic gardens, and you can order small ones of those online, but it's called Summer Chocolate. Yep. Now, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, I got a fig tree, and it was producing real well. And about three years ago, I decided I was going to prune it back pretty heavy, and I did. I may have been the wrong time of year, but it, it took forever for it to start fruiting again. Yeah. It's yeah. just started uh, fruiting. Yeah. Now, and I'm, I'm sort yeah. of uh, okay. to mess with. Okay, Here, here's the deal. we got some older calls, and we're going to need to move on to them. But here's the deal on the fig trees. Follow the branch from the tip end back to where it started growing last year, okay? As long as you leave some of that, what sprout, you can cut it back halfway, two-thirds. Whatever sprouts off of that will have figs this year. But if you cut it back beyond last year's growth, it'll sprout back out but won't have figs. So leave some stubs of this year, of last year's growth. Okay? All righty. Well, let's move down to uh, Olive Branch. Hey, Chip, how are you, ma'am? I'm well, thank you. Good, good, good. Except for the, the deer are eating all the, all the fresh blooms on my azaleas, mm-hmm. every single leaf. Okay, and w- that's sort of a given. Now what do we do? I have already tried putting my hair and hair from the hairdresser all over. I tried Crisco because I thought I heard that on your program. You'll hear everything in the world, Chip, everything in the world. I work with botanic garden people, horticulturists, people like me, literally coast to coast. And if there was if there was anything, and there's some good repellents you could buy. If there's anything that worked consistently for everybody, we would all know about it because we're on a list serve thing with the online. You could there are deer away. There's some repellents you can buy that are a mixture of different things, and they'll work for a while, but then the deer will get used to it. This is a real common problem. The only surefire solution is put a fence around your yard. The, yeah. Buy some deer net. Deer netting is a real lightweight, heavy duty, can barely see it type of fence. You can't see it from 15 feet away, but it'll snatch a boy off a bicycle if you stretch it across the sidewalk. Oh, well, so, I could try that. Yeah, they have deer netting. And, uh, and, and, and that's what the botanic garden people use. You can't see it from a few feet away, but it's real sturdy, lightweight, sort of, you know, it's not a real tight mesh like a screen. Are it's, they so particular? No. They're not bothering one well-established azalea. Not yet. It's my new one. Not yet. Hmm. Not yet. You know, ah. deer, deer, people will eat gravel if they get hungry enough. Deer <laughs> will eat. Just, there's no deer-proof plant. There's some that they don't prefer. 
But uh, as soon as they get around to it, then when they run out of these azaleas, they're going to come back. One so, more deer question. Mm-hmm. I saw a herd. I've never seen such a large herd um, on a very um, flat, vacant field. I counted 20 deer in that herd before the FedEx truck nearly hit me. Mm-hmm. So uh, are isn't that unusual to be such huge herds? I haven't heard of herd. You know, I, I've never, you know, usually I only see four or five or six at a time along the interstate. Me too. You know, that's that's about it. But I, you know, I, I don't know anything about their ecology or anything. <laughs> but uh, let's just say, and, and every one of them's got fleas and ticks and is looking for your azaleas. <laughs> I know it. Thank you so much. Good luck on it, Chip. Appreciate it. Huh. Let's go to Columbus. Hey, Scarlett. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Enjoying your show this Thank morning, as always. Um, I would just like to know, if is it too late to cut the roses back? They look like they've already started some new growth. And can I fertilize my azaleas that are starting to bloom? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, let's do them backwards. Fertilize trees and shrubs and summer things sometime in the spring. So March, April early May. In other words, just sometime in the late winter or spring, you can fertilize all your stuff that grows through the summer. Things that grow through the winter, like daffodils, you fertilize them in the fall. But most stuff, you throw a little fertilizer sometime late February, March, April. Uh, so, and, and there's no big deal with that. As far as pruning roses, they've already started blooming on the coast and even in Jackson. Mine are completely covered with new growth. But if you think about this, if you were going to prune them a month ago, you're going to cut, let's say, a foot off of them. You'd have cut that foot off whether it had buds on it or not. See, so go ahead and prune them back just like it was a month ago, and they'll put out all new growth pretty quickly, no problem at all. Better to prune them late than to not prune them at all. Okay. And it, right. it, it, does, it does not hurt that they got new growth on them. You were to cut that stem off anyway, and that's just from stored up food in that stem from last year. Right. Okay. Well, that's what I was wondering. Thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on it. Okay. And you know, I told you we got some cheesy music coming up. We're going to Brandon and talk with Kathy. Hey, lady. Hey, Felder. Howdy. How are you? Fine. What's going on? Um, I have a yard light, that, you know, the kind that the uh, electric people put up that mm-hmm. comes on at night and goes off in the morning. Right. And it's right over my garden. Will it affect the growing ability of the vegetables? You know, that's a really good question. And the answer is not really because the lights don't put out enough, unless it's really close to a plant, it's really not detectable. You know, you have to have the light really close. And there's some plants that are extra sensitive, like poinsettias. Yeah. But uh, most of the things, it's not that big a deal because the light's not close enough. It doesn't give off enough energy to begin with. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Now let's go to uh, Macomb. Hey, Mike. What's going on in Pike County? Oh, uh, Good morning. Howdy. Uh, I'm interested in, I'm thinking of planting a uh, pear tree, and yeah. I was wondering if they do well in this area, which I've seen, and I think they do, but do I need more than one for cross-pollinating? Well, it's a good question, and answer uh, in, in order. Some pears do okay, some do not. You know, different apples and pears do better further north or further south or whatever. But there's two pears that do really, really well in Mississippi. One is called kefir, starts with a K, and a kefir is a kind of a hard pear. It's not as good for fresh eating unless you pick it and let it soften up for a few days. But kefir is a really good one, and it'll pollinate itself. And there's another one called orient. Orient is a good eating pear, 
And I'm pretty sure that it's self-pollinating. I'm almost certain it's self-pollinating. I don't remember. But kefir and orient are really good pairs. And, uh, Mike, if you get these things, when you put them in the ground, it's going to half kill you to do this. And somebody's going to holler at you anyway. Cut them back to about three feet tall so that they start branching out close to the ground. They'll grow quicker. They'll be stronger. They'll pr- have more fruit earlier in their lives. Be a whole lot easier to pick. Just, you know, don't don't plant one that's taller than you are without cutting it back to about three feet. But kef- kefir with a K and orient are good pairs. The rest of them? I'm not so sure about. Okay, the one I was noticing at my local center here was uh, uh, the name was pineapple pear. And, yeah, and and pineapple pear is a good one. It's a it's it's a real popular eating pear. It's one of those that that you know a lot of times you see them at the store and they got their own little like a little plastic bag, a little mesh bag around each one. They're real soft and real sweet, and they'll produce, but they need a uh, they need a pollinator. So okay. uh, so you know get a kefir or an orient and then. Put a, put one of the pineapple pears out there, and if it works, it works. If it does, you still got the other two. Great! Wow, thanks a lot. Okay, Mike, appreciate it, man. Got some interesting emails I want to share with you, but let's talk to Lillian. Just says from Mississippi. Where are you in Mississippi, Lillian? In North Mississippi. Okay. Okay, I know Marshall where County. Yep, way on up there. What's up? Well, I've got moss taking over my yard. Uh huh. And. I just want to know what I can do to get rid of it because it's uh, consuming my grass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of things, Lily, uh, Lillian. First of all, moss gardens are getting to be real popular, even in super upscale neighborhoods. I, I walk I walk here every every week, two miles each way. I go through my neighborhood, which is just, you know, ordinary neighborhood, in a kind of upscale neighborhood. And moss gardens are actually getting to be popular because they're easy. But you have moss, Lillian, because you got shade, your soil is compacted, and it's probably acidic. All three of those are bad for grass. <laughs> See, so the moss isn't killing your grass. The moss is coming in where the grass is having a hard time growing. So unless you can get more sun, maybe throw a little lime out there and aerate the soil, you're not going to be able to grow grass there. It's just petered out. It's you know, it's, you know that was. Uh, I know. I had uh, beautiful grass, and then uh, mm-hmm. the. Trees got large, and now I've cut yeah, the trees back. Well, but but cutting them back in the same thing. When I was at Mississippi State, I took turf management, and I studied a little bit at LSU. And our rule of thumb is if you don't have 50% or more direct sunshine, you're out of the grass business. Sooner or later, well, it it's, it's going to peter out. So anyway, also you've got compacted, probably acidic soil, and those very th- uh, heavy clay. See, you know, and grass is an Asian weed. And it doesn't like clay, doesn't like shade. See, so unless you can get some more sunshine there and aerate your soil, then the grass not going to be able to grow good, and you're going to end up with moss. So what I would suggest would be work up a little area, maybe in a little p- curvy pathway, and let it be a moss path. And in the other areas, work in little leaves and grow you some monkey grass and just turn it into a shade garden. Uh, th- th- that'll work. Tr- growing grass ain't going to work. All right, thank you. Okay, good luck on it. I love the way her voice went down. Thank you, thank you. No help at all. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Java. I don't sell anything. <laughs> you know that. It doesn't matter to people. If you want to have a, a golf course? I can help you. I wrote the forward to that book. But if you if grass won't grow, we got to look at other. I'm practical. You know, some people. I guess they just want the the magic. They they want the magic bullet. <laughs> yeah, me, me, me too. But it ain't there. I hadn't found it yet. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, we got some. Te- you want me to take the phone calls, do the cheesy music, or what? You want to do the cheesy music and get it out of the way, right? I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and this is the Gestalt Gardener. Me and Java and uh, Kevin are trying to help us all get together this garden party we call Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Gestalt Gardener. We'll be right back after this a timely cheesy music. Grandpa, don't you know it's daylight saving time? Yeah, I know it. I don't know who in the world ever got it up. It don't do nobody a bit of good. For years and years, folks got along with an old grandfather's clock. Or just a common old sundial sitting out on a rock. Then the dollar watch, it had its day, and the wristwatch, it is fine. Then along came a man that ruined us all with daylight saving time. I'm a hunting that man who first thought up daylight saving time. Until he moved the clocks around, everything was a-going fine. But I guess he's hid and won't come out. He knows he's out of line. I get up late, have to wait, can't keep it straight. Who did he hate? I mean the man that first thought of daylight saving time. His followers all will argue that they've gained an hour of life. By moving all the clocks around, but I can't see they're right. The sun still rises just the same and sets just as before. If they'd rise 60 minutes early, maybe they'd have an hour or more. So why not leave the clocks alone so folks won't be confused? Let them hit the floor an hour before if it's daylight that they choose. I'm a hunting that man who first thought up daylight saving time. If he will prove why the clocks will move, then I'll admit it's fine. I've twisted my old clock around till it ain't worth a dime. I'm a counting sheep, losing sleep, get up late, miss the date. Couldn't get there in a Cadillac gate. Tries the will, they'll never gain with daylight saving time. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Uh, Kevin Farrell and I were there. We weren't arguing. We were laughing about this. But does a straw have one hole or two? I mean, Java, uh, you know, does a straw have one hole or two? Now, I heard you say it's a strong debate about that. It is. And I don't want to put my hand in the ring. On one hand, people are saying, well, it's one long hole through the middle of it. And that's, that's I one guess hole. I, I, would, I would say that. Yeah, but... If you look at a straw, you can look at one end. It's got a hole at either end of the straw. Now, it's got a long, hollow tube inside of it. You can say that's one long hole, but you can say which end of the straw, each end has got a hole in it. Yeah, but I think <laughs> about it like if you dig a hole in the ground. Yeah. If you dig it and you go all the way to China, like they say, yeah. it's just one long hole. You're right. You're right. But you just, you, know. you just have two sides. I don't know. I don't know. Let's debate. Send us an email. Yeah, turn it around and blow another hole. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, real quick, we got some callers on the line. I want to get to them uh, real quick. Here's uh, some emails. First of all, I got an email from K Gow G O U G H. Uh, wanted to know about uh, uh, planting her irises. The, her irises got covered up by an overzealous. Helper, and uh, she wants to uncover it, make sure they still bloom, because the irises won't bloom if they get covered up. Problem is, I sent her a, a, an email return, and I keep getting the email back that says undeliverable. So Kay, 
G-L-U-G-H. If you're listening or somebody knows Kay, uh, tell her to shoot me another email because that email ain't working. Uh, also, Arita Adams Neto says she has a wisteria that a friend trimmed back and hasn't really bloomed uh, in, in a, a few years ago. Um, and she says a lot of are blooming on the coast. They're blooming here in Jackson, too, starting to bloom, the wisteria. Uh, should I trim it now? It's crazy big. When's the best time? Here's the deal with wisteria. They are legumes close relatives to kudzu, and they won't bloom if they're in good dirt. If they get fertilizer or water, they got roots in your lawn or your neighbor's flower beds, if they're getting any kind of moisture and nutrition, they're going to just grow great vines. Uh, The ones you see blooming best are the ones that are in poor, miserable, hard, roadside, tough, compacted, low-fertility, no-water type of settings. That's where they grow best. So if you want to get a wisteria to bloom, abuse it. Go out from the trunk a little bit. Make a few cuts here and there, just random cuts, uh, to chop some of the roots off. That'll stress it enough to maybe kick it into flowering. Now, if you want to prune it, leave some of this year's growth, just like with figs and muscadines. Follow from the tip of the branch back to where it started a year ago. As long as you leave a foot or so of that, what grows off of that short bit, will have flowers. And then last one, I want to throw this out. This is the real good one. Uh, uh, Rebecca Wells, she says, fair weather garden question. Every year in the spring, I plant several containers of peppers and herbs. When it all dies down, I just leave the dirt and soil in containers. Does the old potting soil mixture need to be thrown out and replaced, or can I leave it and replant? What I would do is I would dump it out, work it up, add some fresh stuff to it because it's going to decompose, put it right back in the hole. You do not need to get rid of old potting soil, but you do need to freshen it up. It's a whole lot better for the plant roots that way. Whew, got some other emails. You know, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now, let's go to Knoxville County. Let's go to Macon. Hey, Nathaniel, thank you for holding, man. What's up? Oh, hey, Felder, I have some of your plant olives and yeah. plantings, uh-huh. and they grow, and they're they pushing out real good, but I got some dry spots on them started yeah. from last year, but I had a, a little fungus in the yard on a few of the fruit trees uh-huh. that looked like it was fire blight, and I've been spraying it with some of that fertilizer. What do I need to do with those yopons? Oh, uh, well, you know, yopons, they're native. Now, are these the little small shrubs you prune in the meat balls or the big tall tree form kind? I got the, I got the, the dwarf kind. Yeah. The, uh, they're, they're usually not affected by insect disease that affect fruit trees and other things. What I would do, and, th- and I've got a, a, two yopons in my yard. It's one of my, actually, I got a tree form yopon, a weeping tree form yopon, but I got two of the little, the ones, you know, the dwarf yopons, which can get waist higher and bigger. Just cut, you can cut those things back to where there's not a leaf left on them, and any kind of insect or disease that's on the leaves or the twigs is gone, and within three weeks it's going to be covered with new growth. Okay, okay. And yeah, don't well, need I to know. no need to pray for that. Okay, I appreciate it. Then. Okay. Always back with it. Get the leaves off. Okay, then. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Bill. All right. Okay, now I'm a I'm a maybe I should I shouldn't say this, but if you ever get Java, have you ever heard of a comedian named Willie P. Richardson? Uh, I don't think he, I, he calls up and does prank calls. To okay, people. okay. I thought I was. He sounded like Willie P. I'm thinking I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to be in trouble. That's okay. Let's go down to New Orleans. I get emails from New Orleans, but I don't get many calls from New Orleans. What's up, Spencer? Hey, how are you doing this morning? Fine. What's what? What part of town you live in? I live over in the Bywater, okay. and I have a little. A cottage-style house, and uh, I had three rain trees taken down, and um, 
I'm a new owner to the house, and when I, after I had the trees taken down, the uh, tree service guy said, just let those stumps rot out, <sighs> and you'll be able to get them out pretty easily because it's a soft tree. Yeah. My, my no. question is, is there anything else I can put on the tree stumps to help speed up the process of making them soft so I yeah. can get them out of that area? It's a real good question, Spencer, and I'm pretty familiar with the Bywater. There's a cool little garden center over there that's got a lot of nice artwork I visit whenever I'm there. But, uh, you know, as I ride around there, there's not a lot of space there. Your house would slam up against another house. It is. I got a shoulder's width of uh, perimeter <laughs> yard around my house. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, what you plant is going to be really important. But here's the deal, though. On one hand, even though it's soft wood, it will take years for that thing to decompose, two, three years or more. If you want to speed it up, you can drill a bunch of holes in it, you know, get you a nice big bit and just drill as deep as you can and then throw some dirt in those holes. And what that'll do is that'll infect the the, uh, the, the tree with the natural wood decay fungus that's in dirt, and it'll put air and water down deep, which helps speed it up. Otherwise, it's going to rot slowly from the outside in. Me, uh. But here's a big deal, though. Y'all have a real problem with termites. Yes, we do. Okay, I had a lot of termites in my house. Guess where? <laughs> get, guess what? You if you leave those there, you're gonna have like just make you a sign that says termites live here. Right. See, so it, it's not possible. It's not practical probably to get somebody with one of those stump grinders in there because they take up a good bit of space. Yeah, no way that he's gonna get in there. Yeah. So what I would do is I would get somebody with a chainsaw and come in. And just go around it, cut the big roots, and just sort of pry it out as best you can. Got it. I mean, it, it, you know, that, that'll be it, – it, it, pay somebody to do it, though, because you're going to booger yourself up with a chainsaw. All right. I can't do it slowly with, like, a circular saw doing little chunks <laughs> at a time. <laughs> you're going to irritate your neighbors to no end if you do that. But, yeah, you, you can. But, yeah, it, you know, the, and, and that's all a, a stump grinder is. It's just like a big circular saw that goes back and forth and back and forth and grinds it down. But you can rent a chainsaw for practically nothing from, like, Lowe's or Home Depot or someplace like that. Anyway, go ahead and cut it out. Cut the roots all the way around, the big roots, because they're not going to be any real deep roots. They're going to be sort of like shoulders and arms. See, so if you can cut all the way around it um, and just pry it out best you can. Some are coming around the pillar of the house. So how yeah. do I deal with the being near the pillar? Well, here, here's... Spencer, here's the deal with that. Those roots that go in the arm, if you can imagine sticking your arm straight out and wiggling your fingers, you know, you're looking at the shoulders. Well, there's all the way down the elbow and beyond that you don't see. So there's roots big around as your thigh going around there. You know, and it's not practical to get all those, but you want to get the, the, the bulk of the, the, as much you can out and then keep your eye out for termites. You might want to treat it with some termite uh, some termite poison or something like that just in case because it's a bad problem in Bywater. Okay. Anyway, good luck on it. If you, if you need some more information, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. For a margarita or a Bloody Mary, I'll come down and watch you. <laughs> Let's go to Savannah, Tennessee. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning. Where? where I'm fine. Where, where's Savannah? Savannah is near uh, uh, Wingsboro. Okay, okay, not not very far. Well, what can I help not you with today? Far. What can I help you yes, with? Sir. I, I called about my fig tree, but I 
need to find out where did you find that song? Tell me where I can find it. I need that song. <laughs> oh, I need that song because I don't like daylight saving time, and I can share this with everybody I know. That's why uh, I don't like it. Are, are you on? Do you, do you have a, a com, you you're online at home? You got a computer? I can now? find it. Just you tell me where to okay. go, and I'll find it. Okay, go get somebody. Go to Amazon.com. This is where I get my music. It costs ninety nine cents to buy it. Uh-huh. Uh, online, but you go to Amazon.com, and uh, there's a whole bunch of tunes that are called Daylight Savings, but this is Daylight Savings by Grandpa Jones. He was with the, the you know, you remember Grandpa Jones was with, uh, yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was that stuff? Uh, I can't remember. They howdy, whatever show that oh, was. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeehaw or hee Anyway, Grandpa Jones and uh, Daylight Savings, and they can find Very it at Amazon.com. Okay, I'll find it. Thank you. Well, what okay, about your fig? My, what What about your fig? My question short. Okay. I have a three-year-old fig tree. Someone planted for me, and the first year it grew nice, a nice little a beehive. Uh huh. The second year it grew real big. I mean, nice, nice, all up to my shoulder. Uh huh. So uh, this winter, when it got so cold, my girlfriend told me put some straw on your fig tree as high as you can get it. Mm-hmm. Well, she gave me some straw, and that's what I did. And uh, my tr- my tree, the, the limbs were so big, they were so rich looking, so strong. Right. And I'm looking at them now, and the tip of them, you know, the, they were trying to sprout, but the uh, they they it's dead. The tips right. the tips of them. So mm-hmm. I'm just asking, is my is my tree still okay? Because I put the head from around it okay. so you get some air and everything. Okay. Your your tree is fine, but here's what I would do: uh, if you'll follow from the very tip. Down to where it started growing last year, it's a big long stem. I would cut about half of that off. Okay. And what this okay. will do, this will get it's going to sprout out up at the top, and it's going to be weak, and it's going to have branches that are over. You're not going to be able to pick the figs. And if you'll cut it back about halfway, again, from the tip down to where it started a year ago, leave about half of that. That will sprout back out. It'll be a little bit later, you know, a couple of three weeks later. Yeah. But it's going to be yeah. real strong and real branchy. It'll have figs, and you can reach them. Yeah, they tried to come out. Like, the second year, I had a little fig, but it didn't come all the way out. Okay, very good. I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate your time. Okay, don't forget Grandpa Jones. Yeah, I okay. got it. I'm, I'm going to play that song. That was right on time. With, ooh, I love that. He, he's expressing the sentiments in my heart. Pat, we appreciate you calling. You stay thank warm, you, okay? Sir. Okay, okay bye, thank you, sir. bye now. Huh, you know, that was, that was Aunt Mamie, Auntie, you know, Mamaw. You got to be nice because she had a good question. Now, I think that's the first time ever someone has said they liked your cheesy music. I, 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 get, a, I get one or two emails every week from people, and they, but they usually say, uh, they they lo- they love the show, even the cheesy music. That was that was a re- that was a, that was almost kin to a request. <laughs> See, so I'm validated by Pat. Appreciate it. Let's go to Lambert. Hey, Charlene. Good morning. Yes, sir. Howdy. Uh, morning. Uh, I was wanting to root a Cuba, and I haven't had any luck with it in water. The roots are so tender that when I put it in the dirt, they it tries to die on me. That's a, that's and does a, it like sun or, or shade? Okay, good questions. A Cuba, uh, matter of fact, I used to use it in a flower. I make a little flower rent. It's, you know, me and a little cabin, but I like to have flowers. And a Cuba is a good filler, uh, and it will root in water. But as soon as it starts growing some roots, some pretty good roots, then gently put those in a pot with some potting soil, and those water roots, which are brittle, will slowly toughen up and get turned into what I call dirt roots, and then you can transplant it from there. So, you know, root it in water, 
transplant to a pot for you know a month or two or three or whatever. Because yeah, you can grow it as a container plant. They even use a cuba as an indoor plant up north. But you can use it outside in a container plant. And then to answer your question about the sun or shade, it will burn up quickly in the sun. It needs to have shade. Even in the wintertime, it, it prefers to have shade. So um, it's, a, it's a good shade plant. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay, good luck on it. All right, if you got some questions like that or want to add to it, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I also want to thank all the folks who are out of them now. Bob Bruzak from Mississippi State uh, bought a whole bunch of these wildflowers, the Coreopsis seed, and, uh, and I bought a bunch of stamps, and MPB gave me some envelopes for free. And we sent out seeds in honor of Hallow Joe Ellis, uh, the late great uh, uh, committee chair of the Wildflower Committee of the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. Hallow Joe was a very special person. And over the past two weeks, Bob and I have sent out, we're completely out of seas now, to hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people, almost 1.4 million seeds. And we appreciate that. Those of you who, who, who didn't get it in time, Coreopsis is a great plant, and uh, anytime you see native wildflowers blooming, you can also thank the Garden Clubs in Mississippi, particularly Hallow Joe Ellis, for making them where they're not considered weeds anymore. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go to Collins. Hey Bob, good morning. Hey, good morning, Felder. How you doing? So far, so good. What's up? All right, I got one quick question, and I'm going to talk about tree roots. But uh, when do moles usually uh, make their tunnels? A day or night? Uh, usually early in the morning when the ground is kind of warm. All right. All right, this is what I wanted to say about uh, tree roots. Wait like, a second. Wait, wait, wait. That's it about the moles? Yeah. Come on, man. Give me some more. Tell me what's up. What? Man, Come I on. I hate them. I'm, I'm loaded with them, <laughs> and I put the poison in a little hole. It doesn't work. It, sir? It doesn't work. Ah, I know. What I started doing is when I found a new tunnel, I got a, a pitchfork. It's got close tangs on it. <laughs> yep. And when I find them, I just riddle it with that up and down the track. Listen, this is this, this is an absolute true story. I had a fella call me at one time. We'd been talking about mold controls. And the, the plunger-type trap will work if you practice with it. Yeah. But he said he would sit out in the mornings when the ground was moist and yeah. kind of warm. He'd sit out in the chair with an axe. And he would just watch. And you could, after a while, you could start seeing him humping the tunnels up. And yeah. I'm thinking, it's no telling how many 911 calls the police would get if you tried that today. <laughs> Sit down in your yard with an axe? I don't think so. They'll but, be wondering if this is your first wife you killed or the second one. Yeah, early early to mid-morning when the ground is still kind of moist and starting to warm up. That's when, that's when they're the most active. Well, I'm glad you added that in. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Well, what about, your, what about the tree roots now? All right, the tree roots. This is something that people don't think about, but uh, trees and shrubbery and stuff is planted too close. To your foundation where uh-huh. you're worried about it growing under right. or going any septic tank line and all that stuff, what you do, you rent a heavy-duty trencher, mm-hmm. uh, self-propelled, or get somebody to do it, and you just uh, t- crank it up and go about three foot deep, and you cut them roots off. You don't even have to go three foot deep. Foot, foot and a half is where most of those roots well, are. Well, just to be sure, I know <laughs> that's why I say a trencher, because that way you can dig a four-inch trench. And it cuts them roots and stops them from heading that way, and you just cover it up. Yeah, and I wouldn't do it too close to the trun- the trunks of the plants if you yeah. can help it because they need a lot of those roots you're cutting off. In other words, don't trench it all the way around. And uh, by uh, the way, you might also right. you, you might also want to stamp your feet, stamp your fingers, and whistle a little bit yeah. to, to give the earthworms time to get out of your way. 
Uh, there you go, because them uh, <laughs> people from New York don't want you killing them snakes. Well, you know, I don't either, but, you know, at the same time, it's a good, b- b- between your driveway and a tree or between your foundation yeah, and a tree. absolutely, sidewalk. That, that that works. I appreciate right, Felder, it. Thanks hey, for taking my call. Hey, if you if you manage to get some of those moles with a pitchfork, yeah, don't send any pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy the conversation. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Bye. Sir. We've got time to take another call or two if if you get right on it. One eight seven seven MPB ring. But you really need to get on it because we've only got about five or six minutes here left. Uh, a couple of other emails I got this week. Uh, one is kind of related. This this uh, lady from from up north Mississippi was disappointed because she has moss growing where her grass won't grow. And the truth is, moss is growing there because moss will grow there. Grass ain't growing there because grass won't grow there. Sooner or later, a shaded garden is going to gradually lose the grass. Ground covers, mulches, moss. But here's an email I got from Mitch Caver. Mitch said, and he sent me pictures and everything. He said, I transplanted moss from my house to my cabin on a 45-degree hill that washed continually. Uh, we had a bunch of trees. He said, I could not get grass to grow there. And he's, again, he sent me a picture of this within two, three weeks ago. The moss completely stabilized the hill, and I, and I do not have problems now. You keep the leaves off of it. It's a good solution for shaded areas where grass will not grow. And that's from a listener who sent that in, sort of validation. And again, I'm seeing so many gardens, including a really nice upscale neighborhood, where they're deliberately uh, encouraging the moss because it looks good. And what they'll do is they'll put like a nice rock out there or a tree stump or a bird bath or something, you know, a Japanese land or something that makes it look like you do it on purpose and actually going out there and pulling up what, what little grass is out there so the moss looks good. Moss gardens work. They work. Uh, you know, you can also put a great big pot full of uh, flowers out there. Yes, sir. If we were giving our T-shirts, Felder, we would give one to Barbara from South Haven yeah. for uh, being our last caller of the day. Okay, well, okay, Barbara from South Haven. Hey, Barbara, thanks for calling. What's going on up in way up north? Okay. Um, is it too late to cut back what I call an oriental magnolia or tulip tree? Uh, is it already bloomed? It's blooming now. Well, let's wait till it gets through. Wait till it gets <laughs> through, and I can cut it back then. Sure. But but you know, do you have to prune it? Because you know they're trees. Do you got to okay. prune? Okay. It's I've let it. It's about ten years old, and uh-huh. I've let it just grow. Well, it's and a now. T- I'm wondering, should I have? limbed it up for a tree well it, it is a tree and uh you don't have to limb it up too much i would just enjoy plant you something you know maybe cut some of the lower branches off and plant some nice shrubs or something under it and let it be a tree okay that's well a, that's what i'm thinking of it's a whole lot easier barbara okay is there time for moss in the flower beds for mulching moss moss uh-huh what do you mean to get rid of uh-huh. the planet in my daylily beds lots of moss uh, you can scrape that up just about any time, but moss is telling me that you also need to take a turning fork and kind of work the dirt up a little bit because moss grows on compacted dirt. Okay. And so I would, you know, scrape a little bit of it off, throw it over the shady area of your yard, let it take over there, and then lightly work up the ground around your daylilies and then cover them with some bark mulch or something, and they'll stay okay. nice and loose. You won't have moss anymore. Okay, I will do that. Okay. Thank you. All righty. Woo-hoo. I love it when somebody asks me something I know, Java. 
We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff every week here on MPB. This is not the only uh, 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 help program on MPB. We've got them all week long. But we're here on Friday, the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, uh, which I appreciate. We don't have to sell anything. We can just tell the truth about stuff. Uh, my producer is laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Phone greeter today has been Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Felder Rushing. I'm going to think of you as I get out and replant some uh, Confederate jasmine that died, maybe put out some l- lettuces, some winter greens this weekend, um, maybe start some Irish potatoes. But I hope your garden's faring well. Main thing is, for those of us who see every new day as another chance to give it a go, go to a garden center, take a kid with you, get them a bag of bulbs, get them a little flower, anything to show them that it's okay to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Thank you.